church, overseeing church, uh, planting church, bringing leadership into uh, the kind of networks of churches, um, really since the 1980s and into the 1990s. I kind of describe myself as a church leader who's kind of stumbled into other things um, over the years. So some of you will remember, do you remember a thing called the 1990s called March for Jesus? Does that... Does that ring some bells for you? Okay, well, I was going to very much involved in that as the international chairman of March for Jesus. And, uh, and then in the early 2000s, a, a rather large Greek man by the name of Mike Pulavachi dragged me into Soul Survivor. Uh, and I said, but Mike, you know, I'm an aging church leader. What would you want me involved in this? Uh, but I, it was such a privilege to be involved in that youth ministry and out of that getting involved in the Hope Initiative and various other things. So um, I'm a church leader. I've come out of the pioneer network of churches, so not dissimilar tradition to yourselves. Um, But seven years ago, um, I was invited to take on this role at the Evangelical Alliance. Um, I have to confess, if somebody told me eight years ago that I would be wearing this particular or carrying this particular role, I think I would have laughed at them. I really didn't see it coming but feel very privileged uh, to serve the church here in the UK um, through the Evangelical Alliance. So, John, thank you for explaining. We're sorry we didn't show the video, um, but do grab one of these. I think we've got them out of the back. We'd love you to connect with us. We just produce, I've got a great team of people that I'm working with, uh, and uh, we just produce some fantastic resources for the church. So at the moment, there's just loads of resources out there about uh, about the referendum that's coming up. If you're confused, on the referendum, not on your own, um, but there's some, we just produce a whole uh, magazine which are, is around it, not telling you how to vote, but identifying some of the issues, and also um, just some resources on the website and so on that will be just great for you. So do connect with us, because we love to serve you um, in that way. Um, as I was preparing um, for this morning, I I, I hope you'll allow me to, to kind of go back to some foundational stuff. Foundational stuff in terms of the church, but also maybe some foundational stuff in terms of us as charismatic Christians, uh, as, as part of the new church, the kind of the restoration movement, because I feel like this is me. I, I'm, I'm among friends this morning. We, my church is like you. And I just love us just maybe to spend a bit of time exploring our foundations together. Maybe a little bit about our, our DNA. And um, we're going we're gonna to look in Acts, in the beginning of Acts, that's probably not a surprise to you, and uh, we're going to particularly look in Acts chapter 2. So if you've got your phones, or you've got your iPads, or some of us have still got our Bibles, so if you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn to Acts chapter 2. And uh, I'm going I'm, I'm to explore this passage with the, kind of the headline, three questions which change everything. Three questions which change everything. 
Acts 1, Acts 2, Jesus, well, he's, he's, he's left them. He, well, he's, at the beginning of Acts 1, he's in the process of leaving. He then departs from them. He gives them some final instructions. And the, it's interesting, actually, because the final instruction that he gives them, they're about to start this worldwide movement that's going to change the world. And then he tells them to wait. They've got to wait in Jerusalem. And then there's a bit of family business they have to do. They have to replace Judas and they do the, uh, the, they make a decision. They draw straws as to who's going to be replacing Judas. And then the beginning of Acts chapter 2, um, we're told when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And then something happens. We know what happened. I want you to know it was an awesome event that happened. It wasn't just a gentle breeze blowing through Jerusalem. It it, it was a sound like a hurricane. It was a mighty, powerful, violent wind that took place. And these, these, these flames appear and split up tongues of fire resting upon each of them. And uh, we're told in verse 4 of chapter 2 that, uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This, this is what happening here in Acts 2 is what Jesus has promised to them in Acts chapter 1. It says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait For the gift my Father promised, verse 4, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and the very ends of the earth. And we know what happens. They begin to speak in other languages. They begin to speak in tongues. And people from all over the world are understanding them as they are speaking. Verse 11, declaring the wonders of God. That's what they are saying. And so we come to the first question. All this is happening. The wind, the tongues, the speaking in other languages, the declaring the wonders of God. And then... Verse 12, the crowd are observing this, and it causes them, well, verse 12 says, they are amazed and perplexed, and they asked each other, question number one, what does this mean? Uh, A few weeks ago, all over the world, scenes were broadcast of a northern city. The city was up all night. Blue and white was the prominent colour pictures. Uh, These were the images that were broadcast all all over the world. Nobody went to bed in this city. Now, if you didn't know much about football and you'd never heard about the Premier League, you might be wondering what on earth was going on. In fact, one of the commentators describing what was happening talked about Leicester (laughs) rather than than Leicester, because 
well, there might be some people here might wonder what on earth I'm talking about. Well, of course, what I'm talking about is that Leicester, incredible surprise, 5,000 to 1 at the beginning of the season, had actually won the most prestigious football league in the world, the Premier League. They'd won it. They, decla- they were the champions. And it's broadcast all over the world. Now, if you didn't know about football and you didn't know about the Premier League and you thought Leicester was called Leicester, you needed an explanation as to what was going on. What was happening in Jerusalem was an event which demanded an explanation. You see, the crowds on the streets were wondering. They had a question to ask. And it's an important question. You see, it seemed important to them. It seemed as if this was a sign which was pointing in a direction. This was an event requiring some explanation. Oh, you know, I think we as a church are at our best when we are living in such a way that we are requiring an explanation as to how we live the way that we live. I was just reflecting, actually, just recently, reflecting on my own church. You know, have we become a bit predictable? I, I, I was reflecting upon us as a charismatic movement. Are we charismatic simply because, well, we have quite lively services? Is that it? I think we as a church are at our best. When we cause people to ask questions, we are maybe caused a degree of amazement, even perplexity, because this is what's happening here. It's one of the reasons. Do you have street pastors in, 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 is it street pastors or street angels? Street pastors in Winchester. That's one of the reasons I love street pastors. My wife is a street pastor. So, you know, at least once a month on the streets where I live in West London, Annie's out. Uh, They're out every week, but she's out once a month. And at three o'clock in the morning, they are in Ealing, where I live, handing out water, handing out flip-flops, getting, making sure people are getting home safely. Let me tell you, they do kind of wear a bit of a strange outfit, but they, that's not where you expect nice Christian people to be on a Friday night, is it? It's an event that is requiring an explanation. And let me tell you, they get... All the time they're given opportunities to explain why they are out there. What on earth is going on? Now, the crowd are asking the question. They're amazed, they're perplexed, and they ask one another, what does this mean? Look at verse 13. Because Peter is ready to give an explanation as to what's going on. And he puts it like this. Verse 13, some of them made fun of them. They said, you must, have too much, you must have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowds, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. This is Peter talking to the crowd. These people are not drunk, 
as you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Peter's explanation is really simple. This is what the prophet Joel had spoken about. Hey, hey guys, he's saying this is enormous. This is the great breakout. We're breaking out of the temple. We're on the streets. We're breaking out of one nation because it is for all people. We're breaking out of a special priesthood. It's going to be a priesthood for all of those that are followers of Him. This is enormous, Peter is saying. The great ark of Old Testament history has been preparing us for this moment in Jerusalem. This is it. When God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, He spoke to to Abraham that out of his seed would come a blessing, not just for his family, for his clan, for his tribe, for his nation, but for all people. You'll be a blessing to all nations, God says to Abraham. And the ark of Old Testament history has been preparing for this moment in Jerusalem. It's breaking out, Peter's saying. Nobody is excluded. The Jews of the day, this is a radical message. And for those that control the power base of the Jewish faith, let me tell you, this is dangerous. Peter's making it clear. Nobody's excluded. Men, women, rich, poor, old, young. You know what? This was such a radical message. The early church, they struggled to grapple with part of this message. One of the early struggles was around the Jews and Gentiles. Could Gentiles really come in on the same basis as the Jews? Or did they have to become Jews in order to receive this message? This is what they were grappling with. Paul had to speak into it. Those of you who know your Old Testament history... This is the reversal of Babel. This is what's happening here. It's reversing what happened when God brought confusions on the nations. causing them to speak lots of different languages. It's almost as God is saying, we're starting again. This is the new creation. It takes us to the second question. The second question is implicit in it in the passage. Why is this happening? <laughs> okay, it's big. Okay, it's world-shaking. But why? How come? Peter takes us on. If you've got your Bibles, turn to verse 22. Peter concludes by saying, but having read through it, having spoken through the Joel passage, he then takes us in verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, 
as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. But God... Let me say that again. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Wow. You know, what Peter's saying is, hey, crowd, hey, you in Jerusalem, it's all about Jesus. He's behind all this. Just struck me actually the other day, I was, I was preparing. The last time the crowd, or most of the crowd, had encountered Jesus, maybe some of them were actually in the crowd who cried, crucify him. Some of the crowd might have observed him dragging the cross through Jerusalem. Some might either have been at the crowd watching him die. But from a lot of the crowd, the last time they came across Jesus was he was either about to die or he was dead. As far as the crowd were concerned, he was just one among a line of crucified messiahs. Because you realize, don't you, that at the time there had been a number of people coming and claimed to be a Messiah, and each of them had died. Jesus was just one among a number, as far as the crowd was concerned. He was just a dead Messiah. But these verses, these three verses that we've just read, they are pivotal. They're central to the New Testament message. This is the watershed of human history. And those two words give us that moment. But God. But God. God intervened. You work your way through the book of Acts, if you study the preaching of the apostles, you'll discover that this event is central. Jesus living the perfect life, dying the most painful death. But God raising this Jesus from the dead. Now, I understand why we do this. For most of us, if we're, we kind of ask the question, what is, the, what is the, the symbol of the Christian faith? Most of us would say, well, it's, it's a cross, isn't it? And often we have it on jewelry, and often in church buildings you'll have a cross there. And I, 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 I'm not wanting in any way, please believe me, I, I, I'm not wanting in any way to minimize the symbol of the cross. Thank God for the cross. But you know, I just wish we could find some symbol of the empty tomb. Because 
the Christian faith stands or falls on the resurrection. See, without the resurrection, hey guys, let's just forget all this, shall we? Let's, let's, let's pack up now, take the band away, let's go off, let's have a nice lunch together, Let, let's, let's sell the building, let's stop putting our money into it. Without the resurrection, let's forget it. We've got nothing. Without the resurrection, we've just got another dead Messiah. The Christian faith stands or falls on the resurrection. The fact that Jesus didn't stay dead. For the early church, for ourselves indeed, the new, the, the, this, uh, the, this resurrection speaks of a new creation. It speaks of a promise of resurrection for us. If Jesus didn't rise again, then we do not come back to life. We are not resurrected. We stay dead. Peter takes it on. If you've got your Bibles, turn to verse 32. He's continuing this theme. And he says this, God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are witnesses of it. He is exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from God the promised Holy Spirit and has poured it out what you now see and hear. See, it was really important to the early church that there were people who had witnessed the risen Jesus. They had seen him. They'd seen the one who had, was dead. They'd seen him alive. They were the witnesses. In fact, the appointment of the extra apostle to replace Judas, one of the criteria was they had to have been with Jesus from the beginning. They had to have observed his life and they had to have, have been witness to his resurrection. And isn't it wonderful what... what what Peter says. This Jesus who was dead is now at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Right hand of the Father, that place of authority. And has, says Peter, received the Holy Spirit from the Father that is now poured out on you. What you are seeing, what you are hearing is because Jesus isn't in a tomb. He is in heaven beside his Father. Father has sent the Spirit, has released the Spirit to the Son, and the Son has poured. This is the triune God at work. This is the Trinity at work together for the purpose of salvation for us. So the question. Why has this happened? Well, it's happened because of Jesus. It's Jesus' fault. It's because Jesus rose from the dead that he's beside the Father. He's received the Holy Spirit and is pouring the Spirit upon us. Let me ask an honest question. A question of you. I'm asking you to be honest. I'm not going to ask you to show hands. This is just you with yourself. Okay. 
Let me ask a question. Are you really convinced that Jesus rose from the dead? Are you? I'm not asking you to answer me, but just, just reflect for a moment. Are you convinced? How convinced are you that Jesus rose from the dead? You see, if you're not convinced, I want to suggest that's really important. That's something to be taken serious. That's something to give attention to. If you are convinced, everything changes, doesn't it? Everything changes. I uh, was brought up in a Christian family. My father tragically died when I was five years old, killed by a drunk driver. By the time I was a teenager, there wasn't a lot of faith in my life. But at the age of 17, there's a long story I could tell you, but I won't tell you it now. But at the age of 17, I, I was confronted with someone who basically preached the Easter story to me. I'd heard it before. I couldn't have told it the well, as well as he did, but I could have told the story. But that evening, as he preached, deep down at the core of my being, I knew it was true. I knew that Jesus had died. I knew it was for me. And I knew that he had come back to life. He had been resurrected. And because of it, everything changed. Everything had to change for me in the light of that. And so it takes us to the third question. Verse 37. Peter says, when the, when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and they said to Peter, third question, brothers, what shall we do? Great question. I want you to, I want you to just notice in that little verse that's there. The crowd, it says, were cut to their hearts. This, this wasn't just an intellectual process that was going on here. God was at work. God was speaking to the core of my, the, the people's being. When I was 17 years old, it wasn't just a great preacher. In fact, I don't think he was all that great. But God did something in the core of me. I was cut to my heart. I knew it was true. We can't just ignore it, they said. It, 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 it's, it's not just going to go away. We've heard about it. We've seen these events happening. What shall we do? It demands a response. I, I, it's my wedding anniversary this year, in fact, it's a big one. Forty years old. No, 40 years of marriage, sorry, no. <laughs> that would be problematic, wouldn't it? Uh, now, when Anne and I were going out with each other, Anne being my wife, um, we, you can, I, I, don't, I don't know quite how it works these days, but we, we were kind of going out and we'd been enjoying each company. It just kind of came to a, a time when we just kind of knew that we, you know, if it was going to go on to, the, to another level, we had to be pretty clear that, that God was in it. 
And uh, so we took a bit of a time out just to kind of reflect and to pray and to, to ask the question, God, are you in this relationship or not? Do, do, do people do that these days? Just, yeah, have a few smiles and maybe we want to, you know, okay, so maybe, maybe that's what happens. So we, we took, a, took a bit of time out to find out whether, um, whether God was in this relationship or not. And then we came back together again after a few weeks. Uh, it turns out God had spoken to Anne uh, in the first half hour. Uh, it taken me about seven and a half years. No, 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 that's not true. And uh, anyway, we kind of came back together. And uh, we, 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 we agreed that it, it felt good. And we, should, you know, we, we started talking about, about future plans. And, 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 and even the, kind of the marriage word was used about you know, marriage services and ceremonies and all that kind of thing. And, and I, can, I can remember the moment vividly. In fact, I just drove past the woods where it happened. We were going for a walk uh, one day in North London. And um, we were just talking about future stuff and plans and all that kind of things. And Anne stopped me and she said these things. She said, she said but Steve, you've never actually asked me. <laughs> now, at this point, there is some dispute between Anne and myself as actually took place. As far as I'm concerned, and I'm the one who's talking, so I get away with it, okay. So, as far as I'm concerned, at that moment, I fell to my knees I looked up and I said to her, darling, Anne, will you marry me? You see, there came to a point when I had to make a commitment. We could talk about future, we could talk about plans, but none of that was going to happen unless I was prepared to make a commitment. Verse 38 So let me just read verse 37 first. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied. Again, I love the fact that Peter's ready for the question. Peter replied, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, Peter's already, he's got the answer. It's going to involve the crowd being willing to turn around, stop living the way they've been living. That's the word repentance. It's going to involve them having to get baptized. That was the route of entry into the church. Baptism. It's going to involve them having to name the name of Jesus because it's only the name of Jesus that could result in the forgiveness of sins. Putting Jesus in his rightful place was central to this. And then says Peter, what's going to happen is this, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you will get what we've got. You know what? The exciting news today is that every day, Around the world, tens of thousands of people are responding when given an opportunity to put themselves in rightful place with God. Tens of thousands of people. Never before in the history of the church has more people becoming, been becoming followers of Jesus than they are today in our time, in our generation. 
And even here in the UK, where we might think it's hard and it's not as easy as it was, you know what? Week after week, we are hearing stories of people giving their lives to Jesus, becoming followers of Jesus. It's happening in the UK, as well as happening around the world. See, hey church, this is our message. This is the foundation of what we're about. This is our DNA. And we're told in the story, in Acts 2, that day, 3,000 people who were part of the crowd accepted the message and were baptized. The church was born that day in Jerusalem. You see, because Jesus rose again, we are a church not left on our own. We are a church filled with the Holy Spirit. That's us. Filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I've, as I've lived my Christian life, I've come more and more to the conclusion I really can't do this Christian life stuff without regular, on the nose, filling with the Holy Spirit, day in and day out, living with the Spirit at work through me and needing to be filled towards that end. Not just for the sake of speaking in tongues, thank God for speaking in tongues, but to live the life that God's called me to. I need the Spirit dwelling within me, enabling me to be the person that God's called me to be. Hey, we can't explore a passage like this, can we? Without taking the opportunity for us to make a response to it. We can't. So I'm going to pray in a moment. In fact, is it Steve, isn't it, who leads the band? I wonder if the band could just... Could you come out, guys? I, I don't know how you normally conclude your meetings. I, I hope you will... Allow us together to maybe a bit of, of Holy Spirit chaos. Where we make a response to what we've heard from this passage of Scripture. Would that be okay? See, For some maybe, some of us maybe, you know what? We've, we've never taken the step, that first step, that step of commitment. We've been around church, this church, maybe for a few weeks, maybe for some of us for quite a while, but we've never made the commitment, a bit like me with Anne. We're talking about it, we're, we're, we're kind of talking about the future, we're, we're, but we've never actually taken the step of commitment. Well, <laughs> this morning... There's a chance to take the step, to make the commitment, to say, Jesus, I want you to have your rightful place in my life. I'm turning my back. I'm repenting on the way that I've lived. I want to live with you in charge. I want your death, your resurrection to be outworked in my life. I want forgiveness. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's, that bit's for all of us, actually. The, the, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesians, he says to them, 
Be you continually being filled with the Spirit. Not just a one-off to live the life God's called us to be. We've got to keep being filled. The truth of the matter is, I know for myself, I leak. I need the Spirit to fill me afresh and new, day in and day out. And so I, I, I just love us, just as we're concluding our time together, just to take some space and allow the Holy Spirit to be at work amongst us. Are you up for that? Okay. If you're able, would you be happy to stand? And I'm, I'm going to pray, pray. I think actually I'm going to pray a, a prayer of commitment to start with. Just on the basis that there might be one or two who have never taken that step this morning. And if you're in doubt, just pray the prayer along with me. That prayer which says, oh, I want in on this. And then I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come to us afresh and anew. And then we'll see what happens. Let's pray. Thank you, Father in heaven, for the amazing truth that we have explored this morning. Thank you, it's not just a story, but it's true. It happened. Jesus rose from the dead. And because it's true, everything changes. Nothing can remain the same. Pray along with me if you'd like to make a prayer of commitment.